This is episode number five of Hebrews in Exile with Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton with special guest John Harless. In this episode, we tackle coming from Easter to Pesach. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. We have with us this evening our very our guest, special guest, yeah, uh, John Harless, and this is Hebrews in Exile. Oh man, I was going to say it with you. You was going to say it with me, man. Uh, we nailed it on the last couple well, of podcasts. We no, said exile at the same well, time. That's because, that's because we see we're. You got to edit all this out. No, this is good <laughs> stuff. This is good stuff. We kept the old one. He says, "Hey, we gotta. We we want the people to well, know that this is unscripted." You know, I'm glad. I'm glad to have you guys with me this evening on this particular podcast. As we are in the month of March, and the month of March brings into play um, a very interesting uh, time for people who are of any religious. Uh, ideology, and that would be the celebration of Easter. Hmm. And so in this podcast, uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Easter because everybody in pretty much in the religious world celebrates Easter. And, you know, I was watching, um, I watched CNN news, uh, it's my, it's my, it's my news channel. Is that your go-to? Is that that's, the good one? That's my go-to. Okay, so that's not the. Is that the one that's not the animal? What's the animal? No. Oh, okay. No. The. Oh, okay. No. CNN news, and, <laughs> and I was watching it. Was watching one week class a couple of weeks ago, and the moderator of his show had this this stuff on his forehead. Yeah. Oh. And yeah. I'm going oh. like, I'm going like, what, what is that? The ash. Mm. Oh, it's Ash Wednesday. Mm. Right. Mm. And I go, wow. And it's like a cross. I can't imagine, I can't imagine myself walking around all day with my forehead with, with ash on it and what all that depicts. But I know that's mm. has a lot to do with the, with the Catholic Church and, the Catholic Church has, and the Greeks have laid down for us this posture that facilitates this season that's called Easter. Mm. And we're Hebrews in exile, and we are Hebrew people. And Hebrew people, we've come to this understanding that Easter is not one of the things that the Father would be very happy no. about us. No. Participating in. Not at all. Why do you think that is? Not at all. <laughs> well, um, I think first of all, Easter is a Christian holiday. It's not, does not find its roots in the Hebrew scriptures. 
And, of course, the Christian holiday of Easter, right, I say it's a Christian holiday because it is, but it finds its roots in paganism. Very true. Or idolatry, as we, as we often use the word idolatry in, in our lessons and our teachings, as we find in Scripture, as you said the other day, Rabbi, that what is the one thing the Most High hates or detests? And that's idolatry. Yeah, he... he... He's not very fond of idolatry, and the one thing that I don't think people understand is when the Most High talks about wickedness. And idolatry, paganism, uh, things that are associated with the nations. And, you know, in my mind, I go back into Scripture, and I hear him say to Israel, now, you know, as Hebrews in exile— well, you need to know that what we're talking about in this podcast is strictly for the mind of individuals who are Hebraically induced or trying to make their way into this Hebrew way. This can resonate with the nations, but mm. it's primarily the message to Israel. And what the Most High said to Israel was, when you get into the land, do not assimilate into the ways and the culture of the people that are around you. So he has given Hebrew Israel specific uh, commandments about their conduct, which is one of the reasons why. We're in this exile. Yeah, it's the very reason why. It's because literally we've abandoned what the Most High has asked us to do. And it's it's funny that you you bring up what you bring up. And I'm looking across the table here at, at, at John because as, as I was trying to prepare for this, you know, we don't like going over across the street, like I say before. But it's it's very interesting for me because I'm glad that you brought out who this demographic is for. Yeah. I mean, this this whole podcast that we're doing is because I have awakened to a very important uh, aspect of thought. And my thought, as you hear me say, often resonates with the book of Daniel. And Daniel is reading and he's going through... And looking at the things that the Most High is saying about about his people, and he asks the question, what about my people? And I'm asking that question today in the year 2021 uh, because my people are lost uh, for the lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And someone has got to be responsible for trying to open their eyes so that those who want to see can see. And if you can't get an answer from your pastor or your teacher or whoever's teaching you, well, I'm here to provide some sense of direction to help us find our way back uh, to the Most High. And one of the things going to help anybody get back to the most high is abandoning wickedness and pagan practices. Yeah. And what, you know, you may not 
you may not know yeah. even that right. celebrating Easter is a pagan uh, holiday. I mean, yep. even the word Easter itself is rooted. See, that's one of the things when I was looking through my particular scriptures that I, I, I hold on, hold on, slow down. When I was looking through the New Testament, <laughs> <laughs> um, I came across a, a very famous passage uh, that is often quoted. But, you know, even in my comment was saying, you know, um, the word Easter is a, 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 a pagan word. Literally in the New Testament, you will never see the word Easter come up. And that Easter actually has its roots in... Uh, well, paganism, that's where it actually comes from. Well, but now, wait, 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 okay. wait, wait, we're, there, we're there. All right. That's not necessarily true. Oh, one okay. place. Um, in, one words, place. in the words of a, of a song, <laughs> it ain't necessarily, necessarily so. Um, <laughs> there's one place it's used in the King James translation. There Easter. Was, yeah. Really? One place. It's Acts chapter 12. Yeah. But that Greek word is not Easter. The Greek word is Pascha. Well, it, at one point, at one point in the That's New correct. Testament, at one point in the New Testament, the narrative Easter was in the context, uh, of scripture, of their, of their, of their writings, but they took it out. They took it out. Um, I don't remember. See, cause I when I was doing, when I was looking at it, I was saying to myself, I said, you know what? They, they, in this translation, and what I was was using was Matthew chapter twenty six, mm-hmm. okay, which yeah. which it basically explains the whole entire situation of <laughs> Yeshua himself, <laughs> and you don't get past the first actual first two verses before it talks about how Yeshua himself, if you still believe in that, uh, participated in Pesach, and it says it right yeah, there, right, but that's not. Right. What that day is about. No, I, and I was referencing the fact that you find the word in the King James Version because mm-hmm. you won't find it in a lot of other translations and English translations that way. Mm-hmm. You'll find Passover. Passover. You know, New American yeah, Standard, right. I think, in, in Acts chapter 12, they use the word Passover, mm-hmm. which again, the Greek word is Pascha there, which, which translates better to Passover. Mm-hmm. The word for Easter is, is an, as a, I think it finds its, its root in a Latin language, not in, in the Greek language. So, right. um, so my point being there was that they do something that's mentioned one time in the King James version mm-hmm. Bible, so to speak. And yet that's a, that's the, that's an incorrect translation. So mm. the question for me then became years ago, we're okay. So you're, you're celebrating something that's defined as Easter. And yet you say it's in the Bible and yet, from a from a you know from a word perspective that's used, it's not there. Right. So then the question becomes: if it's not found in Scripture, then what's going on here as far as the, the celebration of this said holiday? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and, and and the thing we have to the thing that I I have to continue to remind people is of uh, is that the Greek text is not Scripture. Right. right. Scripture yeah, is true. Genesis. To uh, the end of the Old Testament, which can be Second Chronicles, depending upon what version of 
of mm-hmm. Bible that, right. you're, that you're reading from. So the Greek text happens to be commentary, mm-hmm. uh, supposedly commentary on Scripture, but it's a very bad rendering. Right. But mm-hmm. when I said to you about right. it, it was once there, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what version this was, but I'm reading here. It says, and when they had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four uh, quaternions of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. That's Acts chapter 12, Acts verse chapter 4, 12. Yeah. Okay. Which, was, which was in one of the older mm-hmm. versions of the King James writings. Mm-hmm. But they have since removed it. Yeah. You won't find it in the King James Version anymore. Oh, is that right? Did it, not know that. But it was once. It was once there. And does know. and does that commentary that you have there in the in the study that you both of you have done? Have you run across you know? Because when I was taking a look at this too, the origins of where that word even came from, like literally, like it 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 comes from uh, this um, kind of this ostentatious. Uh, celebratory day that kind of pagans do at the spring equinox. Spring, spring equinox. Yeah. yeah. And it comes right. from another word where I think it may get into the um, issue of, you know, this particular goddess that was worshiped at that particular time. And because it's fertility, that's where the Easter bunny right. came Ostra in. Is, and, it's yeah, it's right. E-O-S-T-R-E. Right. Right. Well, yep. you know, I'm, I'm, I, I have two, I have two writings mm. that I would, I would, um, suggest to anyone to get you can go online and look at it it's called one of them is called vain traditions uh paganism and the other one is called too long in the sun by richard reeves um both of these writings give us some real good information on what you're just now talking about Mm -hmm. so when you look at the aspect of easter um, is the English pronunciation for the goddess uh, Astarte or Astareth. Mm. So we're reading a lot in the uh, scriptures or what people call the Old Testament about uh, Israel going up to the high places and worshiping the, the Astareth yeah. uh, pole. But this thing, Easter, comes from Astre or Astarte, and the Greek is Astareth, and the Canaanite is uh, Ishtar, which is Babylonian. Yeah, yeah. And all of these are are titles or names that are associated with these goddesses uh, that are associated with the Greeks and with the uh, Canaanites and so forth, and the Babylonians and so forth, that have been passed down. and right. But none of this, none of this is associated with anything that is in Scripture other than to tell us that we need to uh, get as far away from it as we possibly, as, as we possibly right. can. Right. Which kind of, you know, is a, is, a, is a good segue into... You know, those those Hebrews there, you kind of been fortified already about knowing that something's wrong, something's amiss. Oh, and 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 deal with the issue of uh, the next thing that comes out is we don't call it Easter. We call it Resurrection Sunday. That's that's what we call it. Well, you can call it you can call it anything you want to call it. But if you celebrate it on the day in which that 
Easter is celebrated and that they have they have established it, you're celebrating the the aspect of that which is pagan, right? So, so yeah. you know, I used to I used to try to figure out you know well, and and people ask today, well, what what's what's chickens and what's Easter bunnies got to do with yeah. with Easter? You know, and then I discovered that this goddess, Astarte, is the goddess of uh, sexuality, mm, fertility, and yes. fertility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got, yep. you know, think you know, think about this. <laughs> if you're going, if you're going to associate, <laughs> man, I don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. That's why we're here. <laughs> we gotta make we gotta make this interesting for some people. <laughs> Excuse me for coughing. Uh, I had to clear my throat there. What kind of yeah, feast were they getting us ready? Um, what kind of feast were they having? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. If if you're celebrating the death, burial, and the resurrection of a god, what has that got to do with Easter bunnies, right? And chickens. You ever think about that? I mean. Easter eggs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where does that all, where does that all come from? Where does that all come from? And it's like, why, why, again, I think that's what you're asking is why are we not being prompted to ask that question? And we probably have asked that question, but you know, it's the, I'm assimilated in already, you know, I'm. Well, it's, it's tied to life. That the whole thing is, uh, again, tied to the spring equinox because you go through a period of, a winter where nothing grows and then you know like we are now i drive down here and i see all the green grass that we have right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have that three months ago so this time of the year the spring equinox is the idea of a rebirth if you will uh <laughs> of life and so obviously fertility represents life right sure. an egg represents a new a yeah. new being um yeah. you know so you you know, you, it's all tied to that, going back to the idolatrous or the paganistic construct of, of this particular Christian. I am going to keep emphasizing Christian holiday because it's not a, it's not a Hebraic holiday for sure, but, uh, it's, it's not biblical. No, it's not, there's not, it's you not said scriptural. scripture. Yeah. Nothing in the Tanakh or the Old Testament, nothing to do with that. And, and that's, and you, we, we spoke about that last time, last on our last podcast. Um, we spoke about that fact that listen, that the most high has set up a way in scripture to give you detailed instructions on how to carry things out. Literally this, there's no instructions at all on any of these Christian festivals that we talk about that they celebrate zero. And furthermore, for that fact, you know, these Hebrews that are, again, that are in exile along with us, you know, Hopefully later on in the podcast, we get to, you know, some of the struggles that we had when we came out, some of the things that we had to evolve from this whole entire issue of the, of the Pesach Seder and, and, and what do we do? And, and when, when Pesach comes around, what does that actually mean for us? What are we supposed to be doing during this particular time? And there was a lot of struggles for us over the years and, and, and trying to decipher and come through that. And I know a lot of people maybe going had some of those challenges. So, you know, well, yeah, I mean, because if you're doing a lot of things 
and you never investigate their origin. You just do it because <laughs> right. we've always done it. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I remember. <laughs> I remember when the first year that I was a pastor <laughs> of my own church. Church. Uh, <laughs> You know, the dear sister and Easter came around and we we advertised in Penny Saber, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, wow. Uh, Easter egg hunt. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, the building was not too far from a uh, park. And oh, boy. The, oh, and the sisters went over and put the eggs and candy. The... Oh, and wow. you know, we had yeah. this great big Easter egg hunt in the park. Well, I was only doing yeah. what we'd sure. always we done. Yeah, yeah. And until until 2007, when I made the transition uh, into the Hebraicness, and then I started looking at the things that were associated with pagan with with paganism. And we were talking here about this word uh, Easter in the King James uh, writing, and it says that uh, Easter is actually the Greek word Pascha or Passover, that mm-hmm. Easter is not another name for Passover. <laughs> so imagine that. And you know, yeah. Easter is usually far from the true date uh, for Passover. The two dates are not even are not even the same. They're not. Well, they, that's some that's some that's another thing. That's a mobile holiday. When I say mobile, yeah, because it's not consistently the same date. Every year, yeah, it, it, it it will vary because it's after the first full moon, after the spring equinox. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would uh, encourage anyone to do your research on the Gregorian holiday on a uh, Gregorian calendar. I apologize, the Gregorian ho- calendar, and you will actually come across what you just said on how it's literally they they shift the year the the months back. In order to make it fall on a particular right, so whereas you had mentioned earlier about the the set structure that the Most High provides us sure. in Scripture, right? The Old Testament, the Tanakh, right? Right. We know it's on the fourteenth of Aviv. Mm-hmm. That doesn't vary, right, from year to year, right, to fit whatever we want to fit, right. It's it's gonna it's, fall it's fall. Yeah. it is exactly as the Most High has spoken it. Right. Yeah, and it's going to be on the fourteenth. It's going to be on the fourteenth day of the first month of the year that He's given us, which is Aviv, and that's our Hebrew month. Now, with that being said, the question is: Well, uh, what's the date? How did the date for Easter even come into existence? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm reading here out of uh, Richard Reeves' work. He says. That after much debate, the Nicene Council in 325 A.D. 325, decreed that yep. Easter should be celebrated on the first Sunday after the full moon the on or after the vernal equinox, which you this, just expressed. Yep. <laughs> this makes the date vary from March 22nd to April 25th. Mobile holiday. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it travels. <laughs> it travels. It's got an RV. <laughs> so <laughs> nothing, nothing about Easter is even closely associated with anything that has to do with the Most High. Now, with that all being said, we, we've discovered in our conversation that 
Easter comes from the word Astarte, uh, 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 Ashtar, and that she, she was a sexual goddess. Now, here's the thing. You celebrate Easter in light of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That particular celebration has absolutely, absolutely, totally nothing to do with Passover. So when you go back to Scripture and you read what Passover is about, Passover is not about the death, burial, and resurrection of nobody. That's why it's a Christian holiday. There's death in it, but there's no resurrection. I can tell you that. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> there's a and, bunch of it. <laughs> and, the death, and the death isn't about a savior dying. No, no, it's not. Well, you know, you mentioned earlier about you met, you ran into somebody with the cross of ashes on their forehead. Yeah. That's the 40 days of Lent. Lent, right, right. Now, if you do a study, historical study, that that references, and even the Catholics will acknowledge it themselves, that that's the, it represents the 40 days of weeping of Tammuz, mm. who was, who was mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 8 as, as, as the Most High was showing the prophet about the abominations that he was, that, that were happening at the house of the Most High. And you had women there at the house weeping for Tammuz. And men had bowed themselves towards the east, toward the sun. Well, Tammuz was the son of Nimrod and Samarius. Mm. And, of course, we know that story, right, where Tammuz was, uh, Nimrod had died, and his mother had become miraculously pregnant. Mm. And uh, pregnant, she was a, you know, had not had relations with a man, and she had a son. And so... You know, Tammuz uh, grew up, and he died at 40 from a hunting accident. And so his mother decreed in the Babylonian kingdom that there's to be 40 days of weeping for Tammuz because he will come back. And so what you find in this 40 days of weeping process is you have people, unbeknownst to them today, going back to why do we do what we do, because that's all they know. They don't understand the history of why they do what they do. It's tied to... Tammuz in this this time where the women in Ezekiel were weeping. There's a time of weeping because he's dead, mm-hmm. but there will be rejoicing because he will be resurrected. He will come back to life. See, so the question is, how do you get the story of Jesus and Easter? Where does this where does this death, burial, and resurrection thing come from? And if you study, even going back to Egypt, right, mm-hmm. and even back to those that period of time throughout history. And I think in our book, we, we're going to document some of this, right, where throughout history we see basically the same play played out mm-hmm. with different actors. Yeah. So when we get to Jesus, it's the same storyline, right? same storyline. It's, it's just different actors just now. The, name, the, name, the names just change and different actors, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's – it's and again, as Rabbi said, what does that have to do with Shemot chapter 12 – it's like literally it, <laughs> they're getting together where, every single year. They get together and for Easter, so to speak, or Resurrection Sunday, whatever you want to call it, and they have one giant memorial. This is just a memorial day, and that's what we're. Yeah, but we're going to good point. And, and then, and and the fact of the matter is, is that you know it's kind of the Christian Church has this thing about kind of if you don't can't beat them, then then let's join them. Because I was also reading there too is because the strong contingent of paganism using and celebrating estray they said you know what we can't get them 
to come over. So we're just going to kind of adopt their their name and just call this particular time that we do our quote unquote memorial uh, Easter. And that's how it kind of migrated over. He was like, how in the world did it? Why would you use that? Why wouldn't you use something else? Why so, that word? So, so, but anyway. Yeah. So as Hebrews in exile, our task is to reconcile the pagan worship that we have been participating in in this exile. And so I want to go back again and say something that I mentioned earlier in another podcast when the discussion came up about the black church and the black church said, well, we're only doing, we're doing that which was handed to us. Mm, Well, they handed us Easter. But I'm saying to you in 2000, uh, um, 2021, I want to give them back their Easter and gravitate to the, to the mandate that the Most High has given to his Hebrew people, Israel. So when we separate ourselves from the aspect of idolatry and paganism and we come back to the Most High, we come back to something that is called Passover. And in the book of uh, Shemot, Shemot, I think it is chapter 12, 12 yeah. uh, he begins to lay out for us the the parameters for the celebration of Passover that's associated with the Feast of Matzah. So when we look at the history of what Passover uh, consists of, and we go to the narrative of the children of Israel down in um, in Egypt and the query for Mashe uh, to approach Pharaoh to let the people go so that they can go and worship the Most High, that narrative and Easter are not the same. Is there a death in Mitzrayim? Yes. (laughs) Ask yourself who's dying. (laughs) It's it's wicked people in Mitzrayim who were worshiping uh, (laughs) everything but the Most High. And he allowed ten plagues to come up on them for all of the things that they were worshiping, all of those 10 plagues were associated with, with idolatry. That's right. And, yep. and in the, the, you talk about, then you want to, you want to, you want to mix Easter with Passover. And, and when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. Well, what blood? The blood of Jesus Christ? I'm sorry. No, that's not the one. No. Uh, it was the blood that the Hebrew people were required to put upon their doorposts from the slaughtering of the lambs on the 14th day of the month and the roasting of those lambs and the and the eating of those lambs in their own homes so that when the death angel passed by, he would see the blood and he spared all of Israel and he killed every, he killed all the firstborn that were in Mitzrayim. Yep. You know that's what that's what the death was all about, and got and and uh, trust me, uh, <laughs> none of them folks was resurrected. Yeah, they can, didn't come back to life after that. He was dead as fried no. chicken. None of those <laughs> folks were resurrected. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. So they're not the same, and you know, 
as Hebrew Israelites or those of you that are trying to make the transition out of the Christian world and you keep asking your pastors, and I, and I would suggest to you, yeah. ask your leaders, ask them, what's yeah. the difference between Easter and Passover? And we're telling you this evening that there is a distinct difference not only in the time, but also in what's being celebrated. Passover is the celebration of the fact that the Most High says, I brought you out from slavery with a strong arm. And all the elements that are associated with Passover are to remember what Yahweh did for us, not what an alien God did for us, but what Yahweh did for us. And he says, I want you to remember this every year, wherever you are. I want you to sit down and I want you to remember that I brought you out with a strong arm out of slavery. You know what you just said? That is so impactful. That's what just hit me while I'm sitting here listening to you. And I apologize for interrupting you. No, you you were, you were, you going at it. No, I was, it was through. I mean, go ahead. I, I look at the narrative of Yeshua and I look at the narrative of the Most High and the Most High establishes what in Mitzrayim. He says, listen, I'm going to do all this so you can see that I am the Most High. I'm going to prove to you that I am the most high I'm going to show you, give you, I'm, I'm asking you to put your faith in me, which I've always said is quantifiable evidence. Most high have established all of this. I'm listening to you sit this and say, talk about, you know, this, you know, Yeshua and whatnot. I've said all that the most high, the, the time of Pesach is for us to remember. What did you say? All that the most high has done. done. Yes. Yes. When you get to Easter, what are you remembering all that Yeshua has done for the people? He died for my sins. (laughs) But, and, and, and that's, and that's another, and that's another misnomer that is spread across the Christian, uh, dialogue. First of all, and I, I suggest that you all do your, do your research and do your reading. No man, no man, No individual can die for your sins. Scripture says that every individual, Scripture, I said Scripture says, that every individual is accountable for his own deeds. Nobody can, nobody can die for, for your, for your, for what you did for your sins. That's the first thing. The second thing within the narrative of Scripture is that Israel Israel never sacrificed a male goat or a male lamb for sin. No, did not. The sacrifice for sin, you go oh. back and you read in the text. Goat. The sacrifice for skin was a was a goat, goat. or a she a she male a she she uh, it was a she lamb mm-hmm. or a she goat. So it was a completely wrong gender, huh? Yeah. Yes. Completely so, wrong. Okay. So wow. if the Most High is the same. Mm-hmm. Yesterday and today and forever, and he does things in order. Why would he have a male right being the sacrifice for sin when all the time in the wilderness in scripture it, it was, was a she, a female. 
And then the second part of this, excuse me. This podcast is going to be jacked up with me no, trying, to clear, no. <laughs> trying to clear my throat and, and go through all these changes. See, I just got to just know where it is. We'll okay. take care of, I'll take care of you. And I'm, worried about, about and I'm worried about bumping that down there. <laughs> you're, my foot. you're so far from that. I keep, kick, I keep kicking mine. But the, but the, other, the other narrative um, that I was going to uh, share with you is that the whole dialogue that the Most High has given to Israel in terms of the idea of sacrificing, he charged Israel not to sacrifice their children to Molech. Yeah, that was where my mind was. So then here's yeah. your, So now here's your next question. If the Most High would charge Israel for sacrificing their children right. to anybody, why would he allow, if this is his so-called son, right. why would he sacrifice his son for something? That doesn't fit the narrative. That's right. Well, it's, it, right. it's, it's hypocritical. It'd be hypocritical on his, on his behalf, and we know that he's not. It it's, makes no sense, right. and that's where my mind, my mind went. You know, I, 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 one of the things I want to continue to emphasize, and you mentioned this, was, I mean, he died for their sins. Well, Again, Pesach is a Hebraic feast. The deliverance that was taking place in Egypt was for Israel. Yeah. yeah. Not the world. No, it wasn't for the nations. So what we find mm-hmm. in Good point. the New Document yeah. or the New Testament, have you, is what? Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world mm-hmm. that he gave his only begotten son. To your point, right? He offered his son, which is in direct violation of Torah. I mean, that's right. wa- that's crazy. Right. That's, so, wow! For God so loved the world. There's that first part. World. Mm-hmm. Well, that that has nothing to do with the plan of the Most High, mm-hmm. right? His people is Israel. It doesn't right. have anything to do with Scripture, right. right? Nothing that he gave his only begotten son. Mm. So that that twofold there is that both that, that whole verse doesn't make sense. It's not Scripture because. The Most High doesn't deal with the world, the world as the Christians understand it. We understand that anybody who, who desires to unite with Israel from the nations can do so yes. if they decide to follow Torah. Right, and accept, accept Israel's Elohim. Exactly. Yeah. This is crazy. Even when you look at the whole entire scene that you just painted, that you just painted, when, and when you just, I mean, eloquently said, Listen, Israel doesn't even have a command anywhere in Scripture that tells them to sacrifice any human being for no, anything, no, no, period. No, no. So the fact of the matter is, is that when that sin offering is offered, most of these go what? Up into the air as a fragrant aroma. Right. You never see the most high. <laughs> right. What does oh. it say after <laughs> that? You know, Yeshua was, was killed. There was thunder and lightning and all these types of, of things going on. Earthquake. Yeah, if it was an acceptable sacrifice. If in fact it was, then why are all these? Why is the most high the sun would, acting the, the sun way would he's be, acting? The now? sun would be shining, right? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be no earthquake, right? I'm trying to say. <laughs> I think what we're continuing to do is, as we go through this, is point out these holes that are in in the the narrative that we've been right. told. You know, and and as Hebrews in exile, you you have to do. You have to do your due diligence to study scripture and don't, 
don't try to spiritualize the narrative, one. The second thing you have to do is you have to study Scripture absent a Greek mind. You have to get out of the minutia of Greekness and being Hellenized into a culture that is not your culture and go back to yeah. who you are and look at Scripture from its Hebraicness and understand and ask the Most High to give you understanding. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you straight up. All right. Except, your yeah. Christian leaders are not going to tell you what I'm telling you right now. Why? Why? And one of the tell reasons they're not going to tell you that is because they have too much to lose. Mm. Yep. <clears throat> too much to lose. Let's listen. Let's listen to the Most High's narrative. Shemot, Exodus chapter 12. Yahweh spoke to Mashe and Aaron in the land of Mitzrayim. He said, you are to begin your calendar year with this month. It will be the first month of the year for you. Speak to all the assembly of Israel and say, <laughs> on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb or a kid for his family, one per household, except if the household is too small for the whole lamb or the kid, then he and his next door neighbor should share one, dividing each proportion to the number of people eating it. Your animal must be without defect, a male, in its first year, and you may choose it from either the sheep or the goats. Now, you are to keep it until the 14th day of the month, and the entire, then the entire assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter it at dusk. You are to take some of the blood, smear it on the two sides of the top of the door frame of the entrance of the house in which they eat it. That night you are to eat the meat roasted in fire. They are to eat it with matzah and marrow, bitter herbs. Do not eat it raw or boiled, but roasted in fire with its head and lower parts, its legs and its inner organs. Let nothing of it remain till morning. If any of it does remain, remain, burn it up. Completely. Here is how you are to eat it. With your belt fastened, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you are to eat it hurriedly. It is Yahweh's Pesach or Passover. For that night I will pass through the land of Mitzrayim and kill Jesus. Oh, excuse me. That's not what he said. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Be he ready will to pass go. through the land of Egypt and kill <laughs> all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and animals. And I will execute judgment against all the gods of Mitzrayim. I am Yahweh. So he gives us, he gives us specific instructions about this particular feast and about this time. And remember that the instructions in, in Exodus 12 was about Israel getting up out of that right. land. And being delivered out of slavery. Now, he comes back into another narrative in Scripture, and he says, Now, I want you, in Leviticus chapter 23, to remember certain days that I've set up as feast days. And one of those feast days is the Feast of Passover or Pesach and the Feast of Matzah. And in the Feast of Pesach, he gives us specific instructions about remembering the past. 
Right. In other words, I want you to remember what I did for you in your deliverance out yeah. of Mitzrayim. Mm-hmm. It ain't got nothing to do with anything else. And those are the instructions that the Most High has given to Israel. So what's this other narrative about? You brought us. You you brought us into a culture that is inspired, that is inspired by an influence that is designed to destroy you and separate you from the Most High. It's pagan worship. So here's the question: You heard me read in the text that they were supposed to roast lamb. So where does ham come into play? Because everybody who celebrates Easter going to have ham on their table for Easter. Yeah, I don't think yeah, it comes in. Yeah. You go to the grocery store, and the grocery store are going to have their they have their meat racks filled with ham. Yeah. Yep. Now, mm. how can ham, pork, be a staple item for celebrating something for the Most High, when in Leviticus chapter 11, he says that pork or the pig is an abomination to him. He hates it. So if he hates something, why are you putting it on your table as a staple for meal to celebrate something that you call celebrating God? I'm sorry, but my, the, the, the Elohim, the God that I'm served, that I serve, has a total disdain for pork. And I'm glad that you make that distinction because that's the Elohim that you serve. Because I know it's some probably going to be uh, some folk out there that will say, you know what? What you're describing is under the law. We're not under the law no more. And it's this constant bend of, you know, the most high bending to people instead of the most high. I mean, instead of the people bending to the most high. Oh, but man. it's under the law. Why should I bother? It's oh, under the law. Oh, come on. Don't don't make me go there. <laughs> Got to. You know. Got to. Cuz you know cuz you know that's a narrative that that's there. You know, and while you bring that up, um <laughs> you have to go in and if you're going to read that Greek text and I I submit to you that the Greek text has some statements that are true, but they have a lot of statements that are not true. And a half-truth is a whole lie. I am a proponent, and I know some of my peers don't agree with me, but that's okay. I am a proponent to say that some of the narrative that Shaul expresses in Romans is very correct and true. And I'm also going to say to you that I am the, I am of belief that Acts 24, 14, where Paul Shaul says that I am of a sect that is of a way, and I believe in the law and the prophets, I believe that he has spoken a very true word by which the people that are writing the narrative behind him and other things that are contradictory 
are from the voices of individuals that are associated with Constantine who were not proponents of Torah. So now, let's talk about this thing under the law for a minute. So you repeat what you have heard your pastor or leader say, well, that's that they're talking about, that the rabbis talking about, that stuff is under the law. Well, what's Paul mean? What shall Shaul mean when he talks about something being under the law? He's talking about something that has been perverted. Yeah. And the perversion of the law is the is the continuing expression of trying to make the law something that it was not. And that was done by men. It was done by, uh, matter of fact, the Oxenosiums, they pervert Torah. Mm. They're, yeah, they're, sure. they're huge mm. perverters of Torah that make the law according to their Talmud right. or according to right. their 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 thinking law. But the Torah stands on its own merit. And it's not law, it's the teachings of the Most High to his people. So what Shaul is saying, we're not under the perversion of of the law. We are under grace. Oh, so now then, what's grace all of a sudden? Uh-huh. Now we got to figure out what grace is, because grace is not the proponent of a time frame that comes into existence that does away with the law mm-hmm. or the teachings of the Most High. The teachings of the Most High in the in the fifth day overlap into the sixth day. Because there are things that are in, that he has given us in Torah of those 613 mitzvot that says, even where you are, this is what you shall do, even where you are throughout all your Your generations. So now, what's grace all about? Grace is about the fact that the Most High realized that Israel was going to be in exile in these nations in which that they were not going to have any control. They were going to be back in the same condition that they were in when they were in Mitzrayim. But he didn't nullify his Torah or do away with it. What he says, I am going to extend to you mercy and grace where you are, because where you are, you're not going to be able to carry out these these commandments that I'm giving to you because you're not going to be in control. So whereas whereas the penalty for the failure of honoring the the, the Sabbath mm-hmm. Uh, which is a death penalty for not doing so in Exodus chapter 31, 31, uh, and starting in verse 15 Mm -hmm. or 12 and 15 is a death penalty. He says, in this exile, I am going to extend to you grace and mercy because you're not in control. Mm -hmm. However, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some things that you are going to be able to do that I expect you to carry out while you're even in this. So that's what, that's what Shaul is saying. Shaul see, you're not under the perversion of this. You're under grace. So grace now has come in to give us this opportunity to function 
under the parameters that the Most High has given us, and we don't die because we can't do it. That's grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's mercy. Right. Mm. Well, you know, I would, as we're speaking to our brothers out there, ask yourself this question. If it's been done away with, I mean, what do you do with the Old Testament that you carry under your arm every time you go into the church building? Did did the Most High, is all, is that part, is, in your mind, is that, that, is that scripture true? Did it, did it fade away? Did he, did he say until I change it? You know, these are, this is the question of the Ariscope. So what do you do with that part of your Bible? And because that is very important to what the rabbi just said, because if, if that's, if the most high said, okay, until I come up with something different, which he never did say, then you have to have to understand that the Old Testament or the Tanakh, as we call it, is true. So if you don't think that, and I, I've, I've said this for a while now, then we need to carry around that Gideon Bible. That's one of the things I used to say in the church is if we're not going to use the Old Testament, why don't we just end up handing out the Gideon Bible to everybody? If you're not familiar with that, it's where the Gideon Bible contains the Psalms and the Proverbs and the New Testament. There is no other, there's no scripture other than the Psalms and the writings of Psalms and Proverbs. So, you know, as we're talking about the law, it's, we're no longer under that. So then what do you do with the Ten Commandments? What do you do, the Ten Words we call it, but you Christians refer to it as the Ten Commandments. What do you do with those? You Do you use those, obviously, to promote certain lifestyles within the church, but those things are under the law? So these are questions you have to ask yourself because if 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 it's under the law, then why are you borrowing that which you know which is true but doesn't fit the narrative of the New Testament? Well, you know, I, I want to get back to the subject of Easter, but before I go there, um, another question that I have to ask my brethren is that um, if all of these things that we're talking about are under the law, I've got some real good news for you. That's going to put some money in your bank. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I want to hear this. <laughs> yeah, you should listen I'm to gonna, this. I'm, this is important. I'm going to tell you Don't how. I'm going to tell this. you how you can you can fatten your your bank account and not be obligated. Because if what we're saying and you come to the conclusion that these are under the law, um, tithing is also under the law. So when your pastor asks you to that is tithe, a good one, right? yeah. when the pastor asks you to tithe, ask him uh, what what <laughs> New Testament scripture right. does tithing fall under as a mandate or a commandment that obligates you to give him your 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 ten forty so he can see how much <laughs> you earn so he can govern the ten percent that you're supposed to give. <laughs> Uh, that, my sisters and brothers, right. is legalism, and that happens yeah. to be under the law. That's a great point. Yeah. That's in the law. Mm. You know, ask, ask your mm. pastor, ask your pastor, why do I have to put to tithe? Is that in the, is that in the, <laughs> is that in the Old Testament of the law of Moshe or Moses? Ask him. And, and see and see what he says. Yeah, good point. You know, very good. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, know, there's another thing that's associated. And my mother, 
My mother uh, worked for the telephone company back in the day when I was a kid going to school, and um, and she used to um, bake. They during this time they'd bake hot cross buns. Oh oh. So um, this is another thing too. Yes, this is. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. This uh, is good. I'm reading here in Too Long in the Sun. Uh, so Easter records the words of. Hygenus, an Egyptian who was a librarian at the Palatine Library in Rome during the time of Caesar Augustus. An egg of wondrous size is said to have fallen from heaven into the river Euphrates. Mm. The fishes rolled it to the bank where the doves having settled upon it Mm. and hatched it Mm. Out came Venus, Sounds like a Disney who movie. afterward was called Syrian goddess. Mm. The Syrian goddess supposedly hatched from an egg mm. was Astarte, yeah. from whom the title Easter came. Mm. So, um, um, this whole this whole issue, um, the Ch- Jeremiah chapter seven verse eighteen. Mm says that the children gathered wood and the fathers kindled the fire and the women kneaded their dough to make cakes uh, to the queen of heaven mm. and to pour out drink offerings uh, unto other gods and that they may provoke me to anger. So these hot cross buns are a product of this offering to the queen of heaven. That's written in Jeremiah chapter 7 and and verse 18. So all of these things that we're sharing with you uh, are things that are related to paganism and as being Hebrews in exile and starting to try to purify ourselves to get back in right standing with the Most High. Uh, it is time for you to do di- due diligence and for all of the children of Israel, African-American, Hebrew, Israelites, and Israelites everywhere who are in exile in this world to come to grips with truth because I'm going to tell you for certain truth matters. So I want to thank my my uh, uh, my co-speakers tonight to help thank us you. to bring this, this to the fore so that you can have something to think about. And um, I want to say to you that this is Rabbi Robert Buhoman Jr. and Sean Appleton and John Harless. And we say to you, Shalom. Shalom.